This is Pastor Derek Thomas of Living Witness Ministries, and I want to welcome you to the Living Word Podcast. I pray that today's teaching blesses you, inspires you, and encourages you to live a life worthy of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that we serve. God bless. Living Witness Ministries is seeking to fulfill its God-given mandate to reach the world with the life-giving word through outreach ministries, including the Living Word Podcast, Living Word Broadcast, and Daily Words of Witness on our social media platforms. If they're being a blessing to you, won't you consider supporting the ministry? Feel free to donate at our PayPal account at paypal.me slash dat0313. Again, that's paypal.me slash DAT0313. Thank you in advance for your support and for doing your part to help us reach the world with the life-giving word. Our text today comes from Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verses 14 through 16. And what you find written and reads in this fashion. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As we speak today to this subject, does your soul have a backbone? Amen. Does your soul have a backbone? A poignant question indeed. When I think about animals and I think about us as human beings, we fall into a class, a category that's called a primate. And the primate is characterized by having a straight back, having an upright frame. It's significant because in individuals that believe in the creationist theory, the creationist theory says that man evolved from eight, from primates and ultimately from one-celled organisms. And the progression came about as a result of the need to uh, morph and to uh, turn into something that can survive in the climate that it's facing. For us as believers, more than ever before, the enemy would love nothing more than to just castigate us and to make us feel like we're ineffective and that we are of no consequence. But I'm here to let you know today that God has a specific plan for each and every one of us, even you. Yes, you that's hearing my voice today right now. God has a plan for you. No matter how insignificant your life may seem, no matter how inadequate you may feel, God has a word for you today to help us all understand that we are indeed important to God and important to the kingdom of heaven. In our text today, what Jesus is doing is what's rather what Paul is doing is he's showing Jesus in Hebrews as the better. The book of Hebrews is a, is a book of types. It's a book of types that speaks of Jesus Christ as the better, the better way to salvation, the better propitiation than the traditional ways of religion and religiosity. And particularly now, as we face the rigors of doing the work of ministry, God is calling us to truly make a difference and to impart not only the soul, the love that comes with 
salvation, but also the boldness that's associated with it. The boldness that makes that love in our souls stand upright. The boldness that gives us a capacity to say no when the enemy will want us to say yes. The boldness to go into the highways and into the hedges and to do as the word says, stand as a high priest in your community, as a high priest in your classroom, as a high priest in your workplace, as a high priest in your neighborhood, to let people know that as you cry loud and spare not, as we cry loud and spare not in our communities, God is going to use the light that's shining in us to draw others from the darkness, from the north, south, east, and west, to make a difference in the lives of others today. Amen. Our text here is letting us know and helping us understand that God needs us not only to witness for Christ, but he needs us to boldly witness for Christ in this hour and in this season. Even in this moment, our witness needs to be bold. It needs to be something that's going to grab the attention of individuals, that's going to wrestle it away from gaming systems, that's going to wrestle it away from pornography, that's going to wrestle it away from alcohol, that's going to wrestle it away from adultery and fornication, that's going to wrestle it away from gangs and violence, that's going to wrestle it away from the things that please our flesh so that our spirit can take its rightful place in putting the flesh under subjection. And God has given us a roadmap on how to do this. The first way that we do it is by understanding who it is that we have. Amen. We've got to understand who it is that we have in our corner. Any individual that follows boxing understands and knows that the person that's equally important as the boxer is the corner man, the man that's running the corner, the man that's calling the shots because the individual, catch this, the individual that's in the corner has a vantage point that the individual that's in the fray doesn't have. The individual that's in the corner can see how the strategy is working. And even though you might be getting pummeled in that instant, even though that boxer might look like he's losing, if he sticks to the strategy, the corner man can see what's going on. And the corner man can give the insight and the direction between rounds and even during the round by yelling out commands, go left, go right, duck, jab, swing, whatever it is, he can adjust on the fly in ways that might seem foreign to the boxer. But it makes perfect sense to the corner man because he sees the whole aspect of the ring and he sees what's needed to bring about victory. Look at what it says here in the first first verse here, what it says in verse uh, 14, it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Seeing then, it says the beginning of the verse, seeing then, seeing the actual capacity to see, not only sight lines see, but catching the vision, getting a revelation of just who we have in Jesus Christ of just who God in the flesh is. Many times what we do is we fool around in our walk in salvation and we begin to compromise. We begin to compromise and it's kind of like if we're talking about posture which the subject is does your soul have a backbone. When you have good posture and you begin to slouch a little bit. You may slouch a little bit because you might be a little tired. You may slouch because you're a little lazy but what happens is each time you slouch what's happening is you're compromising your core position. You're compromising the position that your core is accustomed to holding your body into and each time you do that is giving the core a break and what can happen is the core muscles 
muscles can begin to get lazy. And when the core muscles start to get lazy, they'll allow the body to slouch just a little bit. And it's so gradual that you may not notice it. And what happens is over time, over weeks and over months and over years, the posture of an individual that had upright posture can fool around and find itself in a slouch position. Why? Because the core muscles allowed the body to compromise. Many of us as believers within the body of Christ have allowed the collective body of Christ to slouch. We've done our part to make it slouch. We've done our part to make it slouch through giving compromise because we've truly forgotten just who we have in our corner. We figure that the battle that we're in is, is too hard for us. And I'm here to let you know tonight that you're right. The battle that we're in is too hard for us. But the battle that we're in is not our own. The battle is not ours, the Bible declares. It's in fact the Lord's. And for us to walk in the true measure of ministry and the true capacity and degree of boldness that God has for us to walk in. We've got to lay aside and cast aside every weight and that sin that so easily besets us. We've got to stop being lazy in the spirit and get back on our point and pull our posture back up. Straighten up and walk right. Stand up for God. Stand up in a way of knowing who it is that we serve. Stand up at, at attention and put ourselves in a position to address and respect and revere the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because that's who God is. That's who Jesus is. That's who we represent. That's what God is calling us to do in this day and age, in this moment in the earth. The earth is looking for individuals that are willing to stand up and to cry loud and to spare not and to be living witnesses for God in the earth today. That may very well be you. I'm here to let you know and to serve notice on the devil and to give you a revelation to let you know that that is you. God is calling you to stand up for him. God is calling you mighty man of valor. God is calling you highly favored woman among women to stand and take your rightful place in the front lines of the army of the Lord and to stand upright and give your soul a backbone so that people can not only know that you're saved, but they can see your salvation and begin to emulate it and give God glory for the good works that he's doing through you. And not only must we understand who we have, we also have to realize what he's done. Amen. We got to realize what Jesus did. Six hours one Friday, he hung on a tree and suffered and bled and died that we might live. But it goes much deeper than that six hours in the physical anguish. He experienced spiritual anguish. He experienced emotional anguish because he was rejected and he was scorned and he was rebuked and he was ridiculed and he was talked about and he was lied on and he was cheated a lot like us in the earth today that professed the name of Jesus Christ. But what he knew knew that the devil didn't know is that he served a specific purpose. He was more than just a man that was down on the cross. If Satan had understood and known the grand plan that God had set in motion through his son, Jesus Christ, he never would have moved the people to crucify Christ on the cross because oftentimes impulse can get us in trouble. And what impulse can do is it pulls us out of our posture. Impulse will get us to move in a way that's not natural. Impulse will get us to move in a way that's not normal for us. Impulse will get us to move in a way that pleases our flesh and pleases us for a moment 
but it can bring anguish in the long run. Impulse gets us out of posture and out of position. It feels good in that instance. It felt good to make that run. It felt good to sleep with that in that strange bed. It felt good to drink that alcoholic beverage. But what happens is that, that the wages of sin truly are death. And each time we partake in those things, we got wages coming. Payday is coming, church. We've got to understand that payday is coming, but we also got to realize what God has done. And that's going to prompt us to get back on our square and get our shoulders back square and stand up for Jesus. Look at what it says here in verse 15. It says, so we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So the enemy would love nothing more than to get us to begin to slouch with doubt and to slouch with fear and to slouch with condemnation, thinking there's no way this can be done. There's no way God can love me. There's no provision that's been made for me. I'm here to let you know that the devil indeed is a lie because a way has been made for us. A way has been made in the wilderness. There's one individual, the Bible declares, that can mediate between God and man. And that, brothers and sisters, is the man Christ Jesus. Who, not thinking that robbery, the word goes on to say, took on the form of flesh and came and suffered and bled and died so that you and I might have the right to not only live, but to be called sons and daughters of the most high God. So we have a high priest that goes by proxy for us day in and day out, that already made the sacrifice, that already paid the price, that already laid down his life so we don't have to compromise our posture, that already laid down his life so we don't have to slouch in our position, that already laid down his life so we don't have to backstep and backslide our way into a position where we think it's getting us into glory because the way that might seem right unto us but it leads to destruction god has given us the capacity to stand upright and tall for him bold in the spirit with a strong backbone to witness with conviction because christ laid his life down and gave up his life six hours one friday on calvary every drop of blood that he shed in every place that he shed it redeemed us from the curse of the law beloved and we've been redeemed to be used by God to be filled up anew with his anointing and with his grace with his power and with his might with his good with his good news and with the word that can save souls God desires us to go out and win souls and we can't go out and win souls slouching we can't go out and win souls into with timidity we can't go out and win souls with indifference we can't go out and win souls with double-mindedness we've got to go out and win souls boldly We've got to understand that if, if my big brother Jesus could do it, then so can I. If my father has a cattle upon a thousand hills, he's made provision for me. If he can clothe the lilies of the field, he's got me covered. If he can make provision and put food on my table yesterday, he can do the same thing today and he's going to do the same thing tomorrow. We've got to understand and realize what Christ did for us on the cross and stop compromising our walk and stop compromising our faith and allowing fear to come in and get us sidetracked. Stop compromising our peace and letting frustration come in and get us sidetracked. Stop compromising our joy and letting grief come in and get us sidetracked because each time we get sidetracked, we're releasing the contraction that the spiritual muscles of faith and joy and love and peace have that are holding us in the upright position so that our souls are upright and steadfast and immovable. The enemy wants us to get soft in the middle. He wants us 
us to get soft in such a way so that he can deal us those body blows that will force us into sin and deal us those body blows that will force us into doubting. And deal us those body blows that would hinder us from doing the work of ministry. But I'm here to let you know today, beloved, that God has called us to stand. And he wants us to answer the question in the affirmative when it's asked of us, do we have a backbone? Does our soul have a backbone? And if our soul has a backbone and we realize that we're primates and the primates have backs that are straight, primates are overcomers, primates are achievers, primates are evolutionary, primates are not only evolutionary, but they're rev- Revolutionary. Not only did we evolve into this point, but we evolved into this point not just to take sides. We evolved into this point to truly take over and walk in the fullness of the dominion that we have, which leads us to the last thing that Jesus did. And we have to remember, we've got to remember to act based on what he provides for us. Amen. Look at what it says in verse 16. Verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He doesn't want us to just come any kind of way. He wants us to come boldly before the throne of grace because we know what God has provided. God has provided us a means to to have every need met because the word says that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory which are in Christ Jesus. We have to understand and realize that God has called us in a season such as this to not only stand upright but to walk in boldness to not only have our souls on full display but have our souls on full display actively doing the work of ministry there's nothing more drawing there's nothing more compelling than an athlete that's finely tuned in their craft performing their craft with precision performing their craft with flawlessness performing their crafts almost as poetry in motion that's how god desires you and i to be as soldiers of the cross beloved that's how god desires you and i to be church as we witness, as we pass out tracts, as we pray for uh, those that are need prayer, as we as we seek to care for those that are sick, as we go to visit those that are shut in, as we go to meet those that are incarcerated, as we go out to do the work of ministry, we should do it with such a grace, with such an authority, with such an air and an anointing of divine power that people have no choice but to stand up and take notice. When an individual comes in the room that has good posture and is walking up right and has their head up and has their back straight and has their shoulders thrown back and are walking with a stride of confidence that exudes confidence, that exudes peace, that exudes self-assurance. It begins to pull the posture of other people that are seeing into line. It begins to change their posture because they see that there's something different about that individual. That's what God desires us to be. He desires us to be that something different, to make a difference in the lives of others. He desires us to be that something different, church, to come into situations and bring peace where chaos might abound. He desires us to be that something different that comes into a situation where sorrow is, has, has dominated and bring in joy where mourning once stood. He desires us to be that difference, to bring about the light of salvation in the midst of a darkened and sin-sick world. God wants us to not cower down in fear, but he wants us to step out on faith and boldly walk into the situation. Situation.
solution. And many times we don't have the answer. We don't know the answer. We don't have the authority. We don't have the power. But I'm here to let you know of someone that does. That's why the word says to call upon me and I will hear thee and I will answer thee and I will show you great marvelous works that thou knowest not of. In Jeremiah 33 and 3, God is saying that it's his will to do these things. It's his will that we prosper. It's his will that we be in good health. It's his will that our souls might even prosper. It's his will that we walk in victory. It's his will that we not walk in lack. It's his will that we walk not only in abundance, but super abundance. It's his will that we be all that he's called us to be so that he might be glorified and so that the kingdom might be expanded and multiplied. God has called us in this hour, church, to stand like never before. He's called us in this hour to stand as strong primates, as strong living witnesses of God, to stand with boldness, not with not without a backbone, not slouching back into the pit, but instead walking upright out of the pit and taking dominion and laying claim to the land, saying that it belongs to me on behalf of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My Father has given it to me that everywhere my foot touches, like the blessing of Abraham, it's a blessing and it's territory that belongs to me. God desires us to take territory for the kingdom. So let's take the territory for the kingdom. Let's walk in boldness. Let's be all that God has called us to be. Let's not lean to our own understanding, but instead let's seek to acknowledge him in all of our ways. Let's allow him to direct our path. Let's allow him to order our steps in his word so that no iniquity would have dominion over us. And in times where it seems like we're being overtaken, let us run to the rock that's higher than us. Let us realize that we're covered, that a ridge is there, that a hedge of protection has been built around us, that a barrier and a wall has been put up between us and the forces of darkness. God has not given us a spirit of fear, church, but he's given us one of power and of love and of a sound mind. So let's get to work and stand upright. Let's get to work and stand up. Let's get to work and activate that backbone in our souls. Let's get to work and win souls for the kingdom. Let's get to work and do our part to hasten the day of Christ's return for all of us to rejoice and bask in his glory. Amen. I pray that you were blessed by today's word. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. If you've never taken the opportunity to do either one of those things, won't you join me now in prayer? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you a sinner. I believe that you sent your son to die that I might live. I believe that he lived, died, rose again, ascended to heaven, and is coming back for sinners just like me. I confess my sin, I ask you into my heart, and I ask you into my life. Thank you, Lord, that by faith I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like to welcome you into the household of faith and into a loving relationship of salvation with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please email me and let me know of your experience or if you have any prayer requests or praise reports, please email me. 
The email address is livingtowitness at gmail.com. That's living, the number two, witness at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Pastor Derek Thomas encouraging you to live your life as a living witness.